Hello, listeners of Jackie Just Chatters. This is your hostess, Jackie Lentz. This is my ongoing bonus mini-cast murder mystery serial. Each week brings a fresh letter in this cozy tale of murder. If you have not listened before, you are going to want to find letter number one and begin there. I hope you enjoy. To silence a scandalmonger, murder in an English village. Welcome to another installment of this audio drama. Play along as you step into the role of one Gwendolyn Armstrong, who is living in 1951 Oxford, England, and is in the final months of earning her bachelor's degree in history from St. Hugh's. Your post is full of regular letters from your Aunt Ivy and other occupants of the charming village of Upper Stock Green. On the surface, it seems a serene picture of stone cottages, beautiful green countrysides, and charitable neighbors. But underneath, in the darkness, a sinful world hides, and the shadow beats the heart of a murderer. By the time the last letter arrives, can you identify the killer? Previously, on To Silence a Scandalmonger, we learn that Aunt Ivy has been having a little fun at other people's expense. She was cheeky when she asked Brooke Turner if she had read the book Rebecca, the mystery name on the photograph. She taunted the gastrals with their investment hustle of the African mine, and she managed to get a pot of their county-famous strawberry jam for her troubles. Not technically blackmail, but I'll let you ponder the ethics of her behavior yourself. Then she gave a dig to the reverend about his liking a cup of tea in the morning. We all know what that was about. Goodness, Ivy has been busy making lots of impressions of late. What will she be up to next? Let's join this week's adventure, shall we? A letter to Gwen from Aunt Ivy. 15th of March, 1951. Rabbit Hill Cottage, Upper Stock Green, England. Dear Gwenny, Hello, darling niece. It is the Ides of March, time to beware of traitors. Of course, it is hard to know who is a traitor and who is your common variety Englishman. I've always thought the Bailey family belonged to the common variety category, and of course Iris is very common given her regrettable foray into unwed motherhood. Now I must wonder if the whole family won't be tainted due to her associations. I have discovered the identity of the father of her mystery child. I was on my way to the church to help with the flower arrangements when I saw Iris at the back door of the butcher's shop. You remember Mr Palmer, the butcher, he is the one you might mistake for a bulldog in a tie. I have often suspected him of being a socialist. He is very high and mighty in regards to these meat rations. He gets a perverse joy in making sure we are only getting our equal fair share, like any good comrade. During the war, their son Silas did not serve like a proper man should, unlike my Daniel. Silas was one of them conchy fellows says he is a pacifist, and I admit he did fire warden duty in London during the Blitz, but I still say he is only half a man. He did not do his duty to our country, nor to Iris. I can hear you asking what proof have I. I have the proof of my own two eyes. 
Silas was trying to hand her a package from the back of the stoop of the shop, which clearly contained illicit non-rationed meat. She shoved it back at him and told him, You weren't there for me then. I want nothing from you now. She was all huffy and the like. He tried to placate her and told her to take it, that she knew that his parents made things impossible. She stomped on his foot and walked away. I still think she is a hussy, but I do admire her spirit. He just simpered back inside like the weak, cowardly worm he is. Afterwards, I finally got to the church to work on the flowers. I struggled to keep my composure when the first person I saw was Mrs Bailey sorting the flowers and ribbons into piles. On the other side of the table was Mrs Palmer. The two were doing their best to ignore each other, as if the other wasn't in the room, which is ridiculous in such a small place. While I do enjoy playing with the flowers, and I feel it is important to fulfil one's Christian duty and help out at the church, it is really for the conversation that I partake in the floral arrangements meeting. I asked Mrs Palmer if her husband had finally started competing with Mr Gibson's unsanctioned sales of goods. She puffed up all high and mighty and rejected such a notion, wondering why I would ever think such a thing. I put her in her place quick enough. I said that I had seen young Palmer peddling his wares with Iris on the back step, and didn't the two of them look thick as thieves? Oh, how Mrs Palmer turned pale, and Mrs Bailey turned beet red. The radio doesn't offer such amusing entertainment as they did. There was more colour on them than on the flowers. Sadly, we are still using dried ones at the moment. But Brooke Turner, also known as Rebecca Harrison, said that the fresh flowers would be up soon and we could perhaps use them in the altarpieces as early as May, perhaps even April. Mrs Fernsby offered up her foxglove. They grow in the cemetery, which is a bit ghoulish, I suppose, but they get wonderful sun and bloom at least two weeks earlier than anywhere else. I hope you're not missing regular church services just because you're away at university. God sees all, my dear. And I will see you at Easter. Love, Aunt Ivy. Come back in a week for Gwen's next letter as we work closer to solving Who Silence a Scandalmonger? Have any suspects, speculations, or insights? Head over to my Facebook author page and share your theories. You can find the link in the description. This podcast was written by Jackie Lentz, narrated by Jackie Lentz, and Ivy, voiced by Diane Fox-Hill. Remember, you can follow on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Or you can find me, like, and subscribe on YouTube. If you are enjoying these podcasts, I would be delighted if you shared with your friends, left a rating on Spotify, or a review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, I wish you well.